Well, thank you, friends. Give them another hand. I trust you enjoy the talent that the Lord has given to the church, his people. And we can honor the Lord in many ways, can't we? Music's just one of the ways. And, but to really honor the Lord, is, it, it involves our whole heart. Really does. It takes, it takes what the Lord is, is really wanting of you and I is, He desires more than anything that you might know Him. Just draw near to Him and spend time with Him. In a crazy world we live in, a uh, changing world, I'd say, how many know just in your own lifetime how many things have changed? And nothing's going to stay the same, right? How many had a a newer house at one time, at one point in your life. They had a newer home, right? And along the way, along the way, there there may have been some repairs that needed attention. Huh? Along the way in this life, there's always a certain amount of of deterioration that happens in any building and anywhere in the world. And so what you may have started out in may not be quite what you have now, but still good. You're still making it work. You're still getting along. But there is one that the Bible talks about that never changes, and you know who that is. Jesus Christ he never changes. So glad. He is, we're going to talk from Hebrews chapter 7. We're calling it a permanent priest. He is the priest than none other. He is the priest that we can come to. He is the great understanding priest that lived where you live right now. Walked the earth where you walk. Felt the feelings. Feel, he knows what it feels like to be in this world. He can identify with you. And you can identify with him. How many know that's a good thing? And whenever, whatever life season you may be in, he has promised to be with you. If you allow him to be with you, you make him Lord and Savior. So, Hebrews chapter 7 is our text, but just a little bit of review of the 6th chapter. Like last Sunday, we talked about the anchor of the soul. I even referred to some fishermen that may use an anchor at time to time to stabilize their boat so they can catch the fish if they're catching fish. How many know what I'm talking about? So last week, lo and behold, pastor went out with a friend. I haven't been fishing for ages. And uh, my friend got his boat in the water and I, you know, helped with that. And I was just, ah, this is, I forgot how nice this is. And he said, let down the anchor. We're starting to catch a few pan fish and let down the anchor. So we did in all four feet of water. Four feet of water. And uh, lo and behold, we were so excited about catching fish, we forgot. I, I didn't notice the rope coming done, and the anchor stayed at the bottom, and the rope sank. So guess what we got to do? So my friend's got an idea. He can maybe come back with a daredevil and hook that rope. He kind of knows the general idea where it is. He can hook the rope. And so we talked a little bit of how, how we need some stability in our life, right? To help us stay, stay in the right place. God is so good to us. 
And he gives to us many good things in this world. Though the world we see, in the world we see changing, in, in this world, Jesus said, you'll have trouble, right? But I have overcome. And you don't have to teach a young person how to get into trouble, right? You don't have, you don't have to teach a person how to do wrong things. It's born. We're all born with that same nature. But Jesus comes to help us with that. Jesus comes to give us a new nature. And so he is the one who is able. So we're going to read about a man, a, a name here that's really going to be a tongue twister. And if anyone knows how to pronounce this, pronounce it in the right way, tell me, because I'm sure going to butcher this name. I'll try my best. The first one says, for this Melchizedek, is that okay, Melchizedek? All right. This Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of all his spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, and which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, have, having neither beginning or days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he abides a priest perpetually. And you say, what is he saying? What do you mean without father, without mother? Anyone born into this world, into this life, needs a mother, right? And a father. What is it saying? There's no record. That's what it's saying. We don't have record of Melchizedek's family. Jesus is described in Revelations. He's the Alpha and Omega. Right? What's that? The beginning and the end. Jesus has always been. Blows my mind. God has always been. It's hard for us to wrap our mind. I believe it's, it's, it's a mystery, but it's true. And Jesus is, the, the writer of Hebrews is making a comparison to Melchizedek, Melchizedek, just like Melchizedek has no record, no beginning and end. Jesus has no record. He was in the beginning, John 1.1. 1, 1. The word was God and the word, the word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. The word, was, the word means Jesus there. Jesus was involved with the creation. Jesus was there when God was speaking the world into existence. And the Holy Spirit was there as well. And so we have this, this thought. The writer is saying, just like Melchizedek, He was a priest. Melchizedek was a priest. He also was a king. Two more clues. Jesus also was a king. And Lord of Lords. He's a soon coming king. He will come back for his own. He will resurrect those who died in him. They will come back to life in their bodies. That's hope. And so number one today, our first point is the simple thought, a better hope. And this is where we get, I got my thought here from verse 19. 
in the text of Hebrews 7. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Paul spoke about the law in Romans 8, 2 and 3. The law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, verse 2 and 3. I'll read on. But what the law could not do, weak as it was to the flesh, notice that phrase. God did. But what the law could not do, weak as it was to the flesh. You and I cannot live good enough, earn it, work for it. But God did it for us. And when we reach out and receive it, our sins are removed. Our sin problem is taken care of. And we become righteous before God. And He says, come, anytime, day or night, come. My door is open. In fact, He looks for people who will just seek out for Him. Galatians chapter 3, another set of verses that deals with this very thought about the law. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore the law has become my tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. In other words, what is he saying? The law showed me that I cannot do it in my own strength. No matter how I hard I try. I cannot bridge the gap that is between me and God. Therefore, Jesus came. The law required certain times of sacrifice to cover our sin. Notice, Old Testament Sacrifice covered the sin, but did not remove the sin. Well, you say, what do you mean? Jesus' sacrifice takes away the sin and cleanses us, gives us a new heart. We don't have to be reminded of the sins in the past. The devil may try his best, but you take those thoughts to the, in captivity to the Lord and you say to the devil, in Jesus' name I am forgiven. And it is over. Hallelujah. We are set free by the power of the, of the resurrection when Jesus defeated Death, it says, death, as Paul said it, is the last enemy. Death will someday be over, and heaven awaits for those who are looking to Jesus. We have a hope, Paul described, that we do not grieve as others who do not have a hope, but we have this hope. 
we have this hope of seeing our loved ones again in Jesus Christ. To look forward to tomorrow because of his hope. I tell you, a world without hope is an awful place to live in. A place where you feel hopeless is a desperate situation. When you feel it's all caving in on you and there's no hope, there's this sense of separation and emptiness. But God comes to give us life. Jesus, our permanent priest. Second point, besides our hope, I want to look at this verse 22 and call this a better covenant. Verse 22 of the text, so much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. A guarantee of what? A guarantee that we can be forgiven. A guarantee that we can be made in right relationship with Jesus. And we can approach the Father. How should we approach the Father then if we know Jesus? Here's the answer. You turn back to Hebrews chapter 4, and you're reminded again in verse 15 and verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 4, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time confidence why why can we grow, why can we go before the lord in confidence could we have the blood of jesus that's been shed for you and i that removes the sin as far as the east is from the west that takes away the guilt and the shame that we he actually sees us clothed in the righteousness of his son jesus can you just imagine god the holy god of all no other God besides him, he is so holy, but he has made a place available for you to come. And even Jesus spoke to his disciples when he, before he left the earth, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm, let not your hearts be troubled. We don't have to look very far to see trouble. There's trouble all over our, our world and in our society. And Jesus says, I've come to overcome and to give you life and give you hope because there's a better covenant than the old covenant. Because the new covenant is that we, uh, we have access, even like the priests had access in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament times. They were the ones, the Levites, and the priest had to come to the Levitical tribe, and they were the ones who would go into the Holy of Holies, and they would, tie, they would actually put bells on their garments because if things weren't right, they could, they could just die in the presence of God. And so the rest could hear the bells, know that they were alive. Interesting comparison. There's a better covenant. There's a better way God has orchestrated, God knew in the beginning even that this would all come. This is not plan B. This was in the heart of God at the beginning. Who can know the mind of the Lord? He's so far past 
And he sees all those who were going to believe in him. He sees all those who are going to yet receive him. And yet he is long-suffering. Yet he is patient, waiting for people to hear the gospel so they can have a chance. This new covenant is a wonderful, wonderful benefit. Wonderful blessing that you and I have. It's a permanent this morning after the message, we're going to go into a communion celebrating the Lord's resurrection and death. And we often read, I often read a verse from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five, and it says this, in the same way he took the cup also after supper. I used to think, well, after supper, meaning that was lunch, dinner. I used to think that. No, that's, that's not what he means. He, he dipped, he dipped, the bread in, in the cup, that's, that's what it means. And he, he gives example, he says this, this is the new covenant in my blood. And do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Some, for some of us, it's, it's very good to have some kind of reminder, something physical to remind us of God's promises. And, and communion is one of those ways that helps us to remember and so we go on thinking about this covenant. Why is it better? Another clue in chapter 9 alluded to it earlier. In chapter 9 of Hebrews verses 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and of the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from the dead works to serve. Cleanse your conscience. I want us to grab a hold. God gave us a conscience. A conscience can be a guide. God gives us a conscience. And if we sin, we can feel guilty. We know this right away from that. Early in the garden, what happened? What, right, right off the bat. When they sinned, they felt shame. Their eyes were open. Right? And they ran from God. They hid themselves. They were ashamed. They felt guilty. And so God works on our conscience. And if we have a guilty conscience because we, have, we haven't yet made it right with God, that's a good thing because then we need to get it right with God. And lay it out before the Lord says, confess it. First John 1 9, the great promise. What is it? If you confess with your mouth, amen. Believe in your heart. Confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. This whole cleansing thing is something the Lord Himself does. I can't wash it away, but Jesus' blood that He shed takes and even heals our conscience. And gives you the purpose to, to pick up and go on. Our last point, he's a bridge. You ever saw these, these little tracks? Years ago, we, years ago that was a thing, passing on tracks. They have little, the gospel message and illustrations. One of these tracks I'm thinking about is, is two cliffs. 
there's two cliffs, and, and God is, is in, in the middle, and you can't get to God, no matter what you do. But then they put the cross, they put the cross between those cliffs, representing Jesus, and it's like a bridge. He's the access to God. He helps us be ready to meet God. He is the one who's preparing our hearts to ever live with Him. You know, we've read this, this thought several times in Hebrews. When Jesus finished the work, He sat down. He sat down at the right hand of God. Does that mean He's just sitting there? I don't think he's just sitting there. That's a place of honor. But Jesus is at work. He's not only preparing a place for you and I, but he as a high priest is praying for you. He's praying for your situation. What a blessing that is. Romans 8 verse 34 says, Who is the one who condemns? Who often condemns us? The enemy. Sometimes our own self. But Christ Jesus, he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. How many have kids? How many have grandkids? You intercede for your kids, right? Jesus is interceding for them too when you lift their names up to Jesus. How does this work? There's a little clue in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. I don't think I totally understand this or get it. But this seems to suggest that Satan... He didn't ask for permission. He demanded permission. To what? To sift Simon. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. What does that mean? In other words, Satan was going to put Simon to the test. Sometimes we become a target for the enemy because we're pursuing the things of God. Just so you know, the devil doesn't like you. That's okay. Well, here's the, here's the real the power. But I have prayed for you. Jesus says this to, to Simon. But I have prayed for you when you have turned again, strengthened your brothers. And you know exactly what happened? Right? Peter? Denied the Lord. Right? At the end of the following Jesus, he was afraid. He denied the Lord. But Jesus didn't throw him away. Jesus had prayed for him. That when he went through the test, can you imagine how Peter felt? He felt horrible. He felt, this is, I betrayed my my Lord? 
And yet you see Peter in the upper room after the resurrection amongst the others. And as the Holy Spirit came into that upper room and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they took on a new dimension. It was not themselves anymore. They were not just leaning on their own strength. Peter had a new strength. It was Peter that was the first, I believe, it was the first that got up and spoke the word of God. He began to preach and declare the things of God. You read that right in the book of Acts. And they go right on from there. They take it through the streets. They begin to minister and pray for the sick, preaching the gospel. Extraordinary miracles were happening because it was just like Jesus said it was going to be. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I will give you power. We need the power to be able to live in the Spirit, in the likeness of Jesus. I cannot do it in my own strength, but this one who has come, Jesus, said, I will send the Helper. When I go back to heaven, I will send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. He's going to help us all the days of our life while we're here. No matter what the news is saying, no matter what's changing, no matter what's going on, God is in control. Young people, you have a future with Jesus. Your kids have a future with Jesus. Your grandkids have a future with Jesus. Don't let the devil condemn what God is doing, what God is going to do and what he's promised to do to keep us until the end.